0: this is all talk global and you're listening to Warren Beck with my guest today is Chris Ransom London Music Services welcome chris hi yeah how you doing you all right i'm good thank you really good to catch up with you now we we have spoken a few times mm-hmm. and we're we'll going to talk about how the music industry has evolved Absolutely. where you are and what you're doing mhm so here we are in a studio today which is great A uh,
1: fitness forever studio yeah
0: yeah fitness forever social distancing as as, of as as one as one does um but finesse forever is in uh, we're in croydon
1: uh-huh that's correct yeah and your
0: main music that you run through for it but let's not get now. let's not talk about your main music when did you first get involved in in
1: music in music uh well the same story as most people never really got into music i did it as a kid um started my first band with my brother and uh, we were 10 And it literally just just kept on going from there, to be honest with you. like uh, I was laughing to myself, I think it was about maybe three or four years ago. I was walking on the train and had my guitar on my back and I was like, hang on a minute, I was doing the same guitar on my back 10 years ago and the same guitar on my back 15 years ago. And it's just like, it's quite funny because it is that, it's the same thing. that's just taken me through to whatever I'm doing, do you know what I mean? It's
0: one of those it's like little epiphany moments where you just suddenly go, God, I was doing this, but... The, I giggle this, to myself, man, it's yeah, funny, it's very uh, funny. Uh, it's funny because it's making me go. I'm getting a little bit of shivers down my spine, yeah. because I, I started, a, we started a band at school, and I remember having rehearsals in our, um you know, in, in my home, mm-hmm. you know, like, punk band in, yeah, in the in home, good, I mean, God... Well, we, yeah,
1: we, we had a band room in our house with no soundproofing, like, yeah, it's... Uh, a very fortunate position to be able to do that sort of thing
0: yeah and we it was fairly big chats but of course you could see people walking past looking up thinking what the
1: hell's going yeah, on in yeah. there
0: and rock and roll man that's what's good yeah and playing you know for us starting to like you probably did the same thing you're playing you we ended up playing gigs in places that there we were we were all under 16 mm-hmm. And we were playing. <laughs> we
1: were suddenly. Our, there was one pub in to where we would play when we were uh, underage. But otherwise, we used to we used to put on gigs in other schools. We used to just go around to other schools. We had our own little PA system, and we just went around and well, we did yeah, we, did whatever we, we could. Really,
0: we had youth centres then, and we had sort of had some good youth clubs where we managed to do it. But there was the odd few pubs. Um, but it was very. It, it was a great journey, for, I think, yeah. for all of us. And it's it's the fact is that we that getting out there and actually just enjoying life. And I think that's something that people... I, I don't know, maybe I'm missing this, but a lot of people today just don't
1: get out there and do anything. In, in what regard, do you mean like...? I mean, in, in regards is
0: when we didn't have... Difficult maybe to say, we didn't have mobile phones. Mm-hmm. So we made an arrangement, we made a plan, we got all our gear together. And you
1: had to do it because you are right. not letting anyone down. <laughs>
0: and, and a Wednesday night out for us was our parents dropping us off at the rehearsal studio and having a four hour jam session.
1: It's a a different thing now, like the whole approach to, in terms of doing something, musically speaking, like like starting a project, whatever, you can, you could probably do it from your bed. (laughs) Now, if you wanted to, you don't have to leave your bed. You got a laptop. It's a whole, it's a whole different concept. Like even the way that things are created, like uh, some of the best songs I ever made with my friends years ago, were made in a room and you just jammed on a on an idea or on a concept, but you still only have one job to do in that room, whether it was singing or playing the guitar or whatever. And now it's your job to do all of it, but you've got all the time in the world <laughs> to, to finesse it and make sure, it, no pun intended, <laughs> and make sure it's the best it can be. So I think it's just a very interesting place where we are. Um, and I think, like I say, it makes things more accessible to a lot of people. But as you say, it's a whole different kind of pressure. It's not even the same kind of pressure. And I do think you're, you're losing out on some of the real fun part of creating music or like those band rehearsals like i haven't had a band rehearsal for about five years now but they are so much fun <laughs> so much it was like, so much
0: fun because you had so much creativity mm. and it's, it's a bit like throwing ideas on the table there's four of you in a room and you know because that's all we had was guitar bass drums and a vocalist but there's four of you in a room one of them's come with some words and you're cracking things around mm-hmm. and you might even jam a whole load of other stuff that that's irrelevant, but suddenly you go, "Actually, I like that. I like this," and suddenly you you join something and it connects. Absolutely. And I, you know, I know today a lot of a lot of these thoughts and ideas will all start in everybody's head.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I look at now, I'm here in, in in the studio about how things have changed from when I was in a studio and how how studios were. Um, it's it's vastly different than what you can do.
1: What you can do, how you do it, like, I've, I've, I have I've, know great producers who might, you know, have, like, like the classical, I say the classical idea, where you have an idea in your head and you put it out there as if put in pen to paper. You've got other people I watch who will keep putting the notes wherever they think they should go and then deleting them and then putting them back where they should go. Do you know what I mean? Like, literally, it's a game of, like, hit and stop and start over and over again until it sounds right. Um, Again, it's just, it's uh, it's just a whole, it is a, it's a whole different landscape. Like I had friends who were, well, yeah, I had friends who were making beats back when I was at college, hip hop beats. And they were using programs like, I think it was Sony Acid Pro, I think it was. And this guy managed to do everything you could probably do today with it, but it took him forever to do it. And I can't even imagine not having the, not having the band room like you know writing element and then actually having a piece of software that makes everything more difficult (laughs) i can't imagine how hard that would have been
0: i i mean for for me when we when i started out with the when when i started when i started working for sector 27 Mm -hmm. which was tom robinson's uh band and we we were going from a stage where we'd really gone from analog into starting to sort of it was just starting to move into digital digital was just coming around MIDI sequences, I mean today what do people, go on? They, it's probably, it's so out of date, but back in the 80s, you know, you had a MIDI sequencer and you had a sequencer that was triggering your, your,
1: your Juno 8 or your oh, yeah, TR yeah, 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 8, yeah. 8. Still, if you yeah. want to use the hardware, you're still doing it exactly the same way, it's just you have great sounds in the computer now, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, the, the great sounds and the things that we were working with, Simmons drums and, and so much electronic stuff that was there, but at the same time it was also very analogue, but that was a crossover. But learning to program all that stuff has obviously changed, the same as it is now with programming and doing your stuff on a on a computer. Mm-hmm. So when you've got London Music Services, mm-hmm. tell me about London Music Services and what that's providing.
1: Uh, well, that really just came out of... Uh, well, I had a I had a company called... Ball, we had a label called Border Records uh, when we were like 24, me and my brother... And my friend will uh, and that was really just like a housing for all of our projects and also <laughs> learn how to run a studio if we're being honest like brutally honest um i even remember the phone call it was like hey man we got two grand let's buy a mixer and set up a studio okay cool like that's, that's literally that's literally and now i'm here doing it for real but um anyway yes yeah, so it was like a housing for all of our stuff and then you know time went forward uh and then it was like uh, we wanted to do start doing more video work and stuff, so we had Bultar Media. Then after a while, we we're doing more music work, and it was like people aren't going to come write songs with a company called Bultar Media. So uh, a lot of the music services came out of that. Again, even that's just I call it a working title, <laughs> just like a face, you know, to something. Um, really, for me, for anything I do, I don't really really touch the video stuff anymore. But in terms of the production and the writing and all that kind of thing, I'll send them to the website. But nine times out of ten it's a conversation we have normally in this room that yeah, makes them go cool want to work with you let's work out a plan and we'll go from there um but literally yeah just, uh any writing any session musicians if there's something i can't play i know someone who can um mixing mastering all that kind of stuff really and obviously moving into finesse in the last year has uh, opened my eyes in millions of ways like uh, again i have played in loads of different bands loads of kind of loads of kinds of music and i produced for loads of different kinds of people but it's amazing that I could still learn something. I mean, music's great like that anyway. But I, I feel like in the last year I've grown so much as a as a producer. Mainly, actually.
0: And I think it's interesting because there's a. There, I, I would say to you, there's the interesting part about what you've just said is that everything, even now, keeps evolving. And when you consider how many how many notes there are available in music, or whether you're playing in majors or minors. Yeah, true. We still, music is actually endless. Okay. It, 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 there, there is no, um, there's no, there's no actual end to where it can go.
1: Well, I'll uh, fight you on that one. There was a guy that quite recently. I think I figured out who it was as well. But there was a guy, a couple of guys who were like, "We're sick of all these random copyright claims," and they programmed an AI to play every melody that can be physically played in existence, and then they copyrighted the song. <laughs> so now no one can ever well in theory no one can ever go that's my melody it's like well no we wrote it <laughs> but they literally got an AI to compose every melody that is physically scientifically possible so it's all been done now <laughs> <I> mean, that, <laughs> apparently that, that,
0: that, re- that really is taking the money out of the, f- the you know food off uh, people's plates it,
1: it, well do you know what it is uh, they did it from like these guys are proper musicians they did it from the standpoint like you know when you see these copyright claims come up and it's like to be honest with you and especially when it comes to pop music you are using the same chord progressions, you are using the same melodies, like you you just are in order to sound, even in drill. When I first started, I tried to, you know, throw in different styles and instruments and all that kind of thing. And then I realized, unless you've got the exact sounds that drill you're used to hearing, and unless things are exactly as they are, it won't sound like what it's supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, no, I've did, found
0: it really interesting. I only ever, I said you a little bit earlier on there. I'd, I'd only just heard of Drill. Mm-hmm. This is only mm-hmm. probably because me showing my age. But, uh, <laughs> I'm saying nothing. You know, it's. Um, <laughs> it, but what I'm okay. But well I didn't. That's something new to me about what i are doing with AI. I mean, it, it's incredible that people would actually stop people from actually copper up being able to copyright their own their their own their own music that they've made
1: it's it's, i think it was them you know like as you know as a a writer whatever once you've written a few songs you you know you almost kind of know what the song's supposed to do next you know when you go to like a middle eight in a song you know where you're supposed to go you know so it was them using that sort of idea it's like well yes it's an amazing thing to be able to think of these ideas and stuff but we are eventually all inspired by the same thing and if the things to sound right we will end up doing things a certain way that's already probably been done before <laughs> like and that's just how it is i think they went at, it at that angle was in like just make music stop worrying about all this idea just make some music like don't worry about all that. such that's my idea or that's your idea that's just make great music who cares kind of thing i think i think that's what they were going for anyway
0: well, it's a shame that they've actually managed it, but of course, it then it gets, it's, it's going to be down to people's lyrics and what what they do. And it, like you've just mentioned to me, I think Gary Newman's song um, was, was probably one of the most, uh, at one time, sampled songs because back
1: in, back through the late
0: eighties, nineties, it was all
1: about sampling. Oh, it it, it, it's, it's, it still is now. Still is now. Very much so. Um, but what you can do with the samples once you've got it in the computer has drastically changed. Like you've got programs that can extract the chords from a sample and then you can apply that to other midi or you can even change the notes within the sample. <laughs> Say you've got like a string section playing a chord whatever on a sample, you can have software that will change the notes within that for you. It's it's madness. Literally whatever you think can be done, it probably can be done now.
0: Which then make which then makes the what you can do is endless. It's just about you can't potentially now copyright it because potentially that melody's already um has already been put to
1: well, well the thing is you know when we talk about copyright like how many songs are written every year right how many of those are actually big and make make money and then how many how many of those are even worth worrying about <laughs> you know i mean your rights on the music do you know what i mean like i remember we had uh, i was speaking to my dad about this earlier the first meeting i had in a little band we years ago uh we were discussing points and songs and the f- that was the first time it's like oh this is this is just like i enjoy writing the songs with you guys getting down to this bit isn't very nice like it just uh took the fun out of it almost like it's nice just to make the music and almost go into something with that with an agreement beforehand so if i'm working with anyone even here i'll have my terms before we even begin so everyone knows where we stand and we can just make music and in in that in that land i like to say the best idea wins so i don't care if I've written ninety five percent of the song and then you've got the best hook for it, yeah, we well use your hook. Like, we just want the best sounding music. I don't care about it being mine or yours. You know what I mean? But you've been you've, your father was in is in the um, was in the industry as well. No, no, he he's broadcast man. Yeah, Broadcast Solutions. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, music was uh, I think was it my mum took violin lessons to get out of science. I think that was about it. Um,
0: yeah. That's. Um... Which brings which brings me on to if so where you start what was your music genre when you were um, when you started?
1: When we started, it was very poppy, like very poppy. Still with guitars and drums because that's you know what we had. But I was me and my brother were into a lot pop, lots of pop music. Then like age 13, 14, rock music. You know. And then we me and my brother learned to play guitar and bass respectively. And so it's like well we're going to play rock music. You know, Don't all uh, punk rock like Blink One Eight Two and all that kind of stuff. Went through that phase, then went through a little wine maiden phase, um, and I remember what's it? it was when we got to Brit School really, we were like 17, uh, where my scope broadened. So I, for me, for me personally, even when I'm writing songs now or whatever I'm doing, I don't ever want to stick to what you think I should do. If a grungy harmony sounds great in a soul song, because who's doing that? Then we're going to do that. But going to Brit School at the time I was heavily into rock music. There were loads of rappers there, and obviously I was like, don't care about hip-hop, blah, blah, blah. He- then one of my friends proceeded to like, for like 10 minutes, well, it felt like 10 minutes, rap in rhyme and cuss me down. and made me feel bad about my face, my teeth later. Like, I had to stop him, shake his hand and go, my, my days, man, okay, fine, you win, I understand now. Uh, so then I found my love of hip-hop, so to my brother. Or just like the idea of just music, you know, literally. I don't care, like, I remember at that point, you know, especially when you're growing up at the long air, you're like, oh, I'm a rocker, blah, 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 no, man, just make some music. Surprise people, like, shock people.
0: That's a really, in, in, you know, it's a great thing, and it's something that um, I think is for me to say to my, even when I've spoken to my kids, mm-hmm. I've spoken to my kids about enjoying music, but don't get yourself bogged down, because if you don't understand where music's come from, you'll never understand, you'll never be able to really appreciate music. So appreciate where bands have come from, appreciate the, the the 60s, appreciate the 70s and the 80s. Well, I
1: think that is one thing that I I think I've noticed has disappeared a little bit. In the sense that, so, oh, you know, I was brought up my dad's music, The Who and all this stuff. And even my mum, Lisa Stansfield, gets a shout out here, Motown, all this stuff. But even when I'm speaking to rappers here, they come in and I'm like, oh you know, uh, have you guys listened to like Big L at all? And they're like, who's Big L? And I'm I'm like, how about Tupac? Everyone knows who's Tupac? And I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. How can you be rapping and you don't know who Tupac is? Like for me, A, for me personally, I don't want to copy anyone. So I want to know what's been done. So I want to do my research to know that whatever I'm doing is kind of fresh, but you kind of, you need like, I think sometimes People's creativity is almost limited. If you hadn't listened to Tupac or even Biggie with the way he, you know, literally with the way he started and ended his phrases, that all the crazy stuff. If you don't know that's even been done and all you know is this a lot of the modern stuff, which is a lot more simple, I think you're missing out. Like, And I think that's madness. And that's happened so many times since I've worked here in the last year. And that's the biggest thing that has surprised me. Just I mean, like you say, it's been lost a little bit, I think.
0: I think that has. And I, yeah, I think absolutely.
1: because it's... It,
0: uh, because otherwise people can be very narrow-minded and, and about where music's come from. Mm-hmm. It's really strange, and I'm trying to think of the chap's name from from Iron Maiden, uh, the, ba- the um, Steve oh, Harris. St- Steve Harris. I actually met Steve Harris and actually went to his, his house because yeah, I they sold nice. his wife a car, and I didn't realise it was it was it was Steve Harris. And I've turned <laughs> up there, and um, he's got a bar in his house. Of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a proper Steve bar, Harris, like West Ham, right? Proper bar. And but through the side of the bar is the actual going into their actual studio, like a full-on. I mean, the studio. Like then he came out and I go, ah, oh, okay. Oh, so I was pleased to meet you. You know, run to the hills. Yeah, yeah awesome, <laughs> but, awesome. You know, it was, it it's just as a, a, a great. But it, you know, it's I just love. I grew up and I just love music, and I suppose because I always grew up with with music surrounding me, um, yeah, because I think it helps you generate. Um, a lot of it kept you, you can't just generate because a great thing about a lot of um, you know if if kids you're not I say kids today but if if people into music today want to make music but if they actually really understood where music's come from and how it's evolved, I think they would actually understand it more as a business.
1: Well, in the sense that, like, say, even yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, even. When I was growing up, I was like, you know, I wasn't really into the Beatles or anything like that. But when you look at them, it's like, oh, these guys, pioneers, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they were, but they all had the same haircut. It was still extremely commercial. Like, they were a boy band for all intents and purposes, regardless. Like, but even, like, even, even I missed that until somebody pointed it out to me. And people were like, even, again, I'm not, I'm not really saying any of these things. These are all incredible, like, pioneers, but it, it's been the same. It's still a package. It's still a parcel. Like, it needs to look and sound a certain way in order to be sellable. Like, uh, and I think if you yeah, start, I just think researching music in general is a smart idea, especially like like I say, analytical listening and taking the best bits from different things and making it your own, you know, like that's, I think for music to be timeless, I think you need to do that. I don't think you can just stick to what you're doing. No, I think it is. And
0: I think if you can involve um, things that you've learned from your past, I think you can actually bring that forward into, into what you're doing, because it would also help capture audience, um, a bigger audience, rather than being your know, minute audience, and it's being able to stretch out to those those extra boundaries.
1: I think, well, in that sense, it's about being able to commercialise any sort of sound, you know, and we've I think Drills already started doing that. Any oh, definitely has already has been doing that. Um, uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's a good song is a good song. So I think it's not even, sometimes it's not even about commercialising a song. It's about making something the best it can be. And then you say, if like, if you go for like an old school sort of drill song where the lyrical content might not be, you know, the nicest, well, then you go, right, well, if you're going to have any chance of selling, selling this to many more people, we need to make this relatable to listeners. So what are other people singing about or rapping about? Do you know what I mean? And then infusing that. Um, but that's just being conscious and being aware of what you're doing and what your purpose is behind the art that you're making. Yeah, because there is normally a purpose
0: and and that's a really good good line to put it it is art hundred mm, art. without art we actually have i think we have if we didn't have art we'd have nothing in life
1: uh, well, you, you, again i i agree with you but you look how the arts are looked upon these days they're, they're, they're definitely not valued as much i worked in a music college for a little while and i just saw the teachers literally wanting to just drop out of doing it because the money's not there anymore. Like they have to almost work around the system so that the kids can learn what they need to learn about music, as in like the interesting things, just so they can be inspired to do what they should. It's it's just, uh, I think the arts in general is definitely, definitely needs a boost. Um, Or on a ground, on a grassroots level, on the ground level, it needs a boost. Like, you know, I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually went to an unsigned gig. I can't remember. And I love music. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: And that's that's crazy because obviously for me growing up we went to, you know, we 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 were obviously we were unsigned, we were doing gigs all the time. Um if I look at where Cult came from, you know, that we you, we were on the same sort of bill, you know, but yeah. and it's just about how th- I saw so many things change throughout the the my time in for the time that I spent in music. I've seen bands that have almost there and literally just fallen by the wayside i've seen bands that have had phenomenal amounts of money spent on them i've also seen how the music industry has changed in how it uh, evolves and takes its its cut out of
1: it or, or how it even makes money like the ways it makes money now it's uh yeah i mean again, t- completely different completely again different.
0: when we change from cds over to um being online and people copying music mp3s yeah 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 i mean people suddenly copying you know could actually get get your music without actually paying for it um and that that, i mean the the industry's obviously controlled itself now but if you take the the point to where people a we've had people stop buying vinyl b we've had people stop buying cds who buy cds anymore we stopped buying vinyl because it took up so much room and they would easily get damaged and
1: i i still end up spending some money on high quality like cd quality files are higher than cd quality files online like hd tracks and that kind of thing so i do think that again if you care although again there was this really really oh, it was by andrew sheps i think it's a five-year-old lecture you'd have to look it up online i can't remember andrew sheps anyway and they were talking about mp3s and the sound um you know all the the nasty artifacts that you get from all these different conversions and bear in mind whatever i'm saying here is like five years old but they did loads of scientific tests and they found that like listening to mp3s was actually more fatiguing like people were grinding their teeth when they were listening to the mp3 opposed to the cd quality version like the we don't it sounds really daft we don't even know what the effects are of all these things that we're consuming all the time and like mp3 the fact that mp3s actually created a physical made made you do a physical thing opposed to like the normal kind of quality audio we're used to that kind of blew my mind like that's crazy
0: (laughs) yeah and i can really i can relate to that i mean i used to sort of be at home and i'd get home and i think actually you know i'd want to put a put a cd on and listen to a cd and i was quite you know i had a pair of Lynn speakers back then, you know so you know i i i like i liked my music and i i i wanted to listen to it and there is definitely a uh, a big difference and then we went on to dats as well which were you know that but that didn't really sort of catch on but that was probably better oh, um it's hard to get that feeling. Working in some of the studios that I've that I've been in is have been a real pleasure. To, because when you listen to something back, it's actually more depth to it.
1: I think when you're recording stuff, in my experience, a really great front front end, like good room, good musicians, obviously, good mics, good mic prees. When it comes to mix time, as long as all that stuff has been done perfectly and mic placement, obviously, the mix is you can kind of have fun with it. Like uh, if you have a really well recorded drum kit in my again it's just in my personal experience you can boost all kinds of stuff and it always kind of sounds pretty cool like it gives you a but again, that's not even here, man, you can fix, you can fix, half the time in this studio we're working with just singers or rappers, like, you, everything is fixed, nine times out of ten. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, I,
0: I do. I think, you, as you say, when, you, when you've when you got everything mic'd up on a on a drum kit, you don't realise that the drum kit, you might need ten mics on it.
1: Until you, I, I think every producer or engineer worth his anything should, uh, worth his or her anything, should I say rather, uh, should have to, as a right, right of passage, mic and mix a drum it and learn how to make that sound good because once you've done that and you realise like how much work really goes into once you've once you've perfected it and and you know the room and what kind of thing and you can kind of you know repeat the process but until you've got it right once or twice it is as a whole it's a whole different minefield and i think i do actually again i feel old man's syndrome i feel like i think there's a whole world of that kind of sort of classical training like i never really did i got to do it because i was just in that on the cusp of things but i think a lot of the producers and engineers in the modern world would would actually benefit from all that kind of thing like even creating your own samples like don't go on the internet and find one we've got a drum kit here mic up the drum kit it doesn't sound right well then mix it till it sounds right like produce it and but they produce you, the sound it's interesting because it's, it's almost like we're, we're again
0: where people now even in if you're saying even the music industry are actually thinking do you know what I'll just Google it and go online and I'll, I'll I'll pay for something online so I can pull something off. But as you say, to actually work with the drum kit, to actually mic it up and
1: actually get the sound that you want. Even where how high you put the drum, like say you're micing up one drum, if it's on the floor or up here, it's going to sound different. Like you have, it's like, it's, that's, like you know when you're talking about like uh, having band practices and it's that experimentation in the room, just having fun. That again is what is, you've lost it from modern production and that's the... That's the fun bit, surely. That's the fun bit, like just playing around, You've got all miking time up to miking up
0: tunes. a snare drum. If you're looking at that and you're thinking about well, miking up a snare drum, miking up a bass drum,
1: miking up your cymbals, we're, we're, phase, all these, yeah, all the, all the annoying things you'd have to deal with.
0: And and it's, but that's what creates out front. I mean, I when we, I was fortunate enough to be at Wembley Stadium with um, when we did our last, really the last band, the last show for Sector 27, uh-huh. and at that stage, there, I was out front, of mine who's a, a fantastic sound engineer, out front sound engineer.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And Tom uh, was mixing out front, and we had, now there was a, a section of bands tonight, we were Sector 27, we had Wang Chung, we had Howard Jones, Big Country, Cool and the Gang, and then, oh, nice then, 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 El, then El, Elton John. The really weird thing was for me that day is I absolutely was massively into Big Country. Mm-hmm. And then I realised, because I was out of the, I'd got out, we'd done our bits, so I was out of the out front sound desk, and, and then I thought, like, oh, Steve Lillibite's here. I thought, like, oh, this will be interesting. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mean it being, I, 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 for me, mm-hmm. they died. Mm-hmm. Okay, they just didn't, I'm sorry, Steve, if you ever listened to this, but <laughs> they died. It's good to be honest. Um, and I was never really into disco music. To, mm-hmm. to say that that wasn't... And after, by this time, we'd done 89 Elton shows around the world. <laughs> right. Cool and the gang came on. Mm-hmm. And it blew me away.
1: Good song's a good song. Good band's a good band. But they regard. put a show on.
0: Mm-hmm. They all came out, rainbow-coloured jumpsuits, mm-hmm. right? And bang, they took me by the scruff of the neck. and uh, Stole the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Not saying that Elton didn't do it. I mean, I, I take my hat off to Elton because anybody out there who doesn't, who has never listened to Elton John or never seen an Elton show, when you've worked around a performer who goes out every night and he delivers, when you see his work rate and that he delivers, you go, okay, Saturday night, all right, we know he's gonna, we know he's gonna kick the chair away. We know that the bitch, we know. You've when seen you
1: seen this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: the audience haven't and that connection and if if you don't get that out front sound right that connection can
1: be lost oh completely like that's 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 so important otherwise you're just watching people on stage if the sound's bad you're not you can't enjoy it if it's the same as if you're listening to a bad mix on your if you listen to a record that's badly mixed you can't enjoy the song because there's a thing in the way which is the bad sound
0: yeah it's always nice to listen to music when you're recording music to listen to it back on a on a normal radio yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah because people
0: sometimes you could be here in the studio and we're hearing you the great fantastic monitors and, and and absolute quality sound but most people listen to it on a on a on a on a, on a, on a small device
1: I, a lot of the I, i've i know at least a couple of the producers here they will check their mixes on their phone speakers like and I'm, i i will do that now but like they check for their kicks and their 808s to be audible on their phone speakers to know that they're in a good spot so uh yes yeah, again it's interesting because that's the, actually that's probably the main place you consume stuff now is your phone so it makes a lot of sense makes yeah and it sense.
0: does whereas people really in the past would have probably yeah, tried, right. i'd want to check it on a roberts radio or something because on a roberts radio you get um you know some, a guy working out in a, 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 you know whether he's a bricklayer layer he's a roofer or something like that they have a radio on there and it needs to sound the sound needs to come out so we when you're doing, you're now working with uh, a lot more rappers and um, and drill beats. How's that been radically different
1: for you? Uh, radically different for me because, uh, like, oh, I said I said to you earlier. Like, uh, so in the last few months, I've made five or six tracks where I haven't touched an instrument once. It's all been done with the mouse, and that was uh, the concept of not. Being as connected to the music when I'm creating it was a different thing for me. So again, as we were saying earlier, if I was writing a song with a band or even if I was writing, even if I'm writing a song anyway, with an artist in here, I've still got my hands either on the keyboard or on the guitar. And we're just fleshing out the melody against the chords or, you know, changing the chords to match a melody, all that kind of thing. And then here I am literally clicking in the drum hits, clicking in, clicking in the melody, clicking in the bass, clicking in absolutely everything. And that was a big thing i enjoy it now i don't i can i can enjoy making a song like that now but i still feel that that again this is the thing so so making beats is one thing but for me i've been a songwriter forever so even sorry to keep talking coming into like making beats i'm like that's half a song it's like well no it's it's not actually that's something i had to learn it sounds stupid i did have to learn that you know the beat should be great on its own it should stand on its own even before you put a vocal on it the downside to that again is for me the, the especially like when i've people spend a good amount of money with me and we've got like 50 hours in the studio all week the best songs and the best melodies words lyrics and all the production and stuff that is created together because it all it's all got to flow and bend and what the trouble is now you'll a know, vocalist recording their wrapping ra- their melody to a two track of the song and then literally to produce that beat or like to make it fit around the vocal you literally cut the beat out you literally just chop and change the beat and put effects on the two track and sometimes they even release that like that's the release that for real for real like and that blew my brain like don't get me wrong when i worked at a studio in portsmouth there was this record that like they got a big chinese uh, it was in china sorry big uh, big record and when i was listening back to it i was like that sounds pretty bad guys he was like yeah man when they took it out there they literally flipped the phase on the channels removed the center channel then put a vocalist on it and released it i was like. What? <laughs> so it happens everywhere, apparently. <laughs> but uh, wow, yeah, and also sorry, being around uh, like a lot, most of the producers here are a lot, are a little bit younger than me or a lot younger than me, and uh, watching how they work, learning stuff from them, me boring them with all my <laughs> musicality or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's been an, it's been a really interesting journey, man. I'm really excited about the rest of it, to be honest with you.
0: Well, what that proves is, like a lot of things in life, you've never learned everything. And uh-huh. you can't. We're we're learning every day.
1: That's my that's my that's probably why I feel confident about most things. Because like, well, because I know I know nothing. I know I know nothing. So I'm just going to do the best I can, <laughs> and hope for the best. You but know? it must
0: be great working now with, with with such a very you know being able to work with such a diversity of of, of people and and diversity of music Absolutely. to the genre to you. But actually, having your background. Is what you can bring in.
1: I don't think there's many people that have done what I've done who are now doing what I'm doing. As long as, as long as I do what I'm, what I should do over the next 12 months, I don't see how all of those things that do make me stand apart. I don't see how they can't help me get achieve something greater. Do you know what I mean? Um, because there is. Well, you know man. like well, your
0: limits are only what you're going to set your limits and exactly never set your you know don't don't ever have a limit and, and if you've got goals out there and people have got a goal or an idea don't sit back when you get there or you get to your goal it's actually well actually I got there quicker than I thought I was going to get there now you need to stretch further mm-hmm. there are no no limits Okay, it
1: it's limitless. Because, because <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Because I started like well, my first band I was like ten, but I was saying this the other day. By the time I got to eighteen, I felt old. I felt like I've. Like, how many more? How how? Like I'm not even joking, right? Throughout the entire history of my band, and I promise you this, we never repeated a chord progression. Never. Well, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Like <laughs> you know, what I mean, we tried really, really, really hard to not repeat ourselves or not. You know, it's ridiculous. And now, if you don't repeat yourself, you kind of you're you're ruined. <laughs> you kind of have to there's, repeat there's, yourself. There's,
0: there's plenty of bands out there yeah, that are, that have that have made um, a, a lot of money and uh, you know out of a lot of things that are fairly repetitive. Um, but that's because there's bands out there that have understood this is a business.
1: <laughs> it it absolutely uh the first time i was sessioning uh, it's about a couple of years in i was like i'm playing the major scale in steps over and over again and it took me a a good while to like swallow my pride and like just play the part for the song it's not about you it doesn't matter if you can play whatever you can play stupid fast nobody cares about that they ain't gonna entertain anyone for three and a half minutes play your part within the song and that was something i had to learn yeah, I think that.
0: something's about that's like almost saying yes just saying yes but letting your ego go
1: you have what well, that's one other thing again I say this but one thing I like to say to everyone that enters in the studio when I'm working with them is leave your ego at the door because it's not going to make anything great when you're on stage yeah give it all the damn ego you can because you need that but if you're in here just get rid of that and just like if I'm if I work with a, if I'm working with a new client I always say to them, right, I could be the most rehearsed, warmed up, blah, blah, blah. I say to them, right, you are going to hear me as I'm experimenting. You're going to hear bum notes. You have to get over that and know that you know I can sing. So you ha- and I have to get over it myself and think, right, I have to allow myself to make these mistakes to know that we're going to end up on a sick man. You have to swallow your pride. Like, really? like You know, but especially but I'm really funny about that. So that's something I've really had to just do, you know?
0: So it must be really good because when you're working with people or you've got people, you're, you're actually... Lots of people can sit in their home and go, well actually I've I've made this song and I've sung this song on this bit and they think it's great. But they don't actually understand that we can't always do things alone. And you need the services of yourself and somebody who's a professional like yourself who can actually go, hey guys, look, let, let's let's just, great, I've got the fruit, of the, the basis of it, mm-hmm. but this could be a lot better. Mm-hmm. We could really turn this into something
1: well, that, and that's the other thing. You don't want to aff- you don't want to offend people, right? But say because I come from a songwriting background, somebody will play me a beat, and I'm like, I love it. And, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking there are a couple of things you could do very quickly that would elevate it. And that's only because I know once you put something on it, you can't just have the beat just go and go. Even if you've got chops and changes, it still needs to build dynamically. And and yeah, I, again. Yeah, You have to, You don't want to upset people, you don't want to ever, you don't ever also want to make people think that you think you're better than them, but having a completely different background. You do see things that, there are things that I've missed, for example, coming from my background and I've had the 20-year-old producers educate me very swiftly, do you know what I mean? But there is something that goes the other way as well, that I'm still trying to figure out what, like, you know, what I can bring to the table. But.
0: Well, I think the, 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 what you can bring is, is the fact is that it's the other stuff that you can't, there's a saying there, you can't put old heads on young shoulders. You can't unlearn things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But equally, you can't fast track that learning mm-hmm. to, to, to somebody. So when somebody walks in here and you, you meet them for the first time, they really need to be coming to you. It's, they're coming to you because they need your guidance. It's just about how you put it to them. It also depends on how well that they
1: want to take your advice. And you have to be careful about that. Sometimes people don't want advice. I had a session the other day in central London, and I did what I normally do, and I'm not commanding the session, you know, just trying to direct it so we can get stuff moving and blah blah blah. And within the first two hours, I realised right, I am I am the button pusher today. I, I I am do as I'm told, as you know, as and when, and that's my job today. And uh, again, I struggle with that sometimes. But sometimes you just got to play your play your play your part, like yeah, I said, sometimes do your job. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it does it. But again, you know, if if you work with somebody and you say, "Look, guys, that's great. I think we're good there. Do you mind if I try something?"
1: Yes. And that's 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 what you need. That's Yeah. yeah that's I, you know, experimentation.
0: And an opinion isn't um, an ultimate. It isn't a definite. And somebody's opinion isn't isn't. you doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Doesn't mean you should doubt yourself yeah. because somebody's given you. An opinion it's just you you need opinion. to
1: be happy with the art you're creating at the end of the day you need to be happy don't get me wrong it's good to listen to certain people especially if you're if there's someone in the industry who's making money doing what you want to do then it's probably smart having you know listening to what they're saying but um i also think you're only gonna ever really have that get up and go to do it if you are being true to yourself and you're making music that makes you want to get up in the morning you know and make the music let me not being funny, band rehearsals, like that's, that's not cheap. Like you have to love the music you're writing with these, these family that you've made for yourself, you know, to be spending that money every week on rehearsals and then spending all that money on a CD that no one buys. <laughs> you know, you have to love the music you're making.
0: Oh, it was good. I mean, when I look back at band rehearsals and things, you're thinking, okay, you, you, we'd, we'd, all, we'd all chip in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. back then. In fact, for, fortunately, it was a friend of my dad's that owned the studios. Oh, very lucky so thing, we, too. but we, we would pay sixteen quid for uh, for a four, you know, for um, for four hours. Mm-hmm. And they'd come in and they'd mic every, The guy would come in and mic everything up for us. And, oh no, this was this was all properly mic'd up and stuff in there. I mean, we had the Pretenders in next door. We had the Uriah Heap. I met Gary Moore.
1: Yeah. so you uh, had yeah. You were in a nice rehearsal studio, bro. Yeah. It was. It was <laughs> you it were it very was, fortunate. It, man. Was, it was. It was.
0: It was. Uh, well, it wasn't say it was the nicest. It was. It was in Dollis Hill, right by um, Dollis Hill Station, uh, Jumbo Rehearsal Studios. Um, but there, for me. One night, the rehears- our oh, band rehearsal. Oh, no, the others didn't turn up, it all fell apart. I then met with um, one of the guys with the pretenders who was then dealing with the stray cats. And then I went back there later. And of course, then I got saying, Look, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm, I'm a bass player and um, I run this. Do you know how to you know, string guitars and do this? So, yeah, yeah, okay. So, next thing I know, we'll come in and meet this band. Then suddenly I was like confronted with this monstrosity of a back line they said right well we've got some new things this is the band sector 27 and i'm like that's a guitar rack so the guitar rack had two was it was again two 19-inch racks one with a roland synth rack in it one you know had four digital delays dimension d's mm-hmm. and, and, and dimension and, d's yeah, the, or little library wow so we we've got you know we've got to, you've got your chorus effects and so on some tracks, Stevie would play these Roland synth guitar. The other tracks, he would play his other guitars. So I had three guitars there that were all needed to be restringed every night, redone. Stevie was sadly very dyslexic, so the the racks were all turned around the other way. So I didn't only just have Stevie's racks where I controlled all his Roland synth gear, but all his all his digital delays, every, like literally everything okay he didn't have all he had to do was play the guitar okay I controlled everything I had a drum rack that was facing the other way. now these two 19-inch drum racks that were almost up to my shoulder again digital delays on all the drums full Simmons kit EQ on on all the drums again dimension D's space choruses and flange and stuff so when he, when we were playing when the, when Red was playing the drums he could actually play the drums hit a click on his uh, by his left foot and actually hold the drums into a drum roll so it's on a on a delay so you're going and it would be going and it when you put it through the Dimension D it went across so we had these two big speakers that were called Tiger Brays. and this Dimension D the drum roll, the drum roll that was now on this echo mm-hmm. this delay went around the room like I that's said. so cool <laughs>
1: that's so cool
0: the base rig was pretty simple but again we had digital delays dimension everything i ran the whole back line
1: along with
0: um tra2a which pete cornish built for us in a rack with three drawers full of uh, mc202s which were one of the first midi sort of little uh, sequences oh wow okay Fair
1: so enough. in
0: each drawer I mean, people today are going to laugh if they listen to this. So, in each drawer, so it had a a T.R. 808 on the top, three drawers with MC 202s. Pete Cornish built so that took them all apart and built one connecting thing, so you could connect the 808 to box one, two, or three. Okay, just by push, but you had to load each one with a tape. So once you'd actually got the MC 202 to the micro, which was technically the first micro composers. Once you would got that to actually um, record, you know, to actually give you the signal, you then had to then put the signal onto a cassette. Mm -hmm. You then had to load it in because it didn't have a memory on it. So you had to load it in with the cassette because it could only hold one memory.
1: (laughs) That sounds like a lot of work, mate. So (laughs) so to
0: be running around with headphones on at the back of the stage, making sure guitars are also in tune. Yep, tra eight track this track, this, that, and then run a back line. Oh, God, Stevie's delay needs to be on 446, this one, right, this, whatever. Go around there, and I've done the drums, the drums are set. It, it was just, but I learned
1: it. There's so many moving parts. I think that's the that's the way you learn to be a master of what you do. I think you have to be chucked into situations like that and um, just see, also be tested, because not everyone would be chucked into that and deal with it. And then you know very quickly if it's the kind of life for you. <laughs> well, it's do you know what I, mean? a, I think
0: it's like anything. You take a bit of a, a leap of faith. And sometimes people, you know, I, I had nothing to lose. There's, when there's, no, there's nothing to lose in this life. Make a decision. Do it. And you could always change your decision. But at least
1: give it a go. Just yeah. say yes. Because you don't know otherwise. You'll never know. You'll never know.
0: And it's a bit like you turning somebody away from here because you just think, oh, they just haven't got a, you just got to give people time and sometimes just got to say yes, but you got to nurture them.
1: You, that's definitely a large part of it that people don't realise. Like I think a lot of the customers I have or even the artists I work with, the ones that we have really good relationships are the ones where I'm always, I'm always, it's, my, it's not, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it is my job, but I'm always trying to make sure you can do more or be better. And I think that comes from me like me and my brother used to sing a certain way when we were kids like craig david style like all soft whatever and then when we got i think by like mid, my, my mid-20s i could throw my voice as hard as anyone it was like wow see i've always known that there's that sort of scope there so whenever i have an artist in here and they go oh, i rap like this it's like well you can rap like that but you could probably rap like this and you probably could rap like this you just need to do it and then you know do it till it sounds good <laughs> and, bring, and bring it
0: out of them yeah. so tell me more about finesse forever and what the guy the, what the people that have set this up uh
1: so well it's a shame they're not here to say for themselves really but finesse forever uh is like uh, made up of the three main people are tk sk and jb um i think they came together from sorry they came together from two other businesses uh, in the past but you'd have to ask them about that definitely be worth setting up a chat with them actually um Anyway, yeah, and they are, I would say they're probably one the UK's biggest drill label, in a sense, like, all the big drill artists you know and love, a lot of them come from finesse, so they've been developed through finesse. Um, um, but really, the, <laughs> you know, working in music, there are some lovely people you can meet along the way, right? But then there's also a lot of, in my experience, a lot of shady people, a lot of stuff that no one's really looking out for you. The one thing I can say with my hand on my heart so far the people at finesse like everyone's got everyone's best intentions Uh, whatever it is like uh if you've got an idea you can suggest it and if it's a good idea you you can normally run with it um and i think they are from what i've seen they are trying to make things fairer for producers in like in terms of the fees they get and uh, the percentages they can get um and i do think that that we're in a very special position where especially with the variety of producers we have on the team. And this is just on the producer side, like we could make any kind of music we really wanted to now. So I think that's the, the, the aim over the next few years, definitely create sounds that not everyone can create and even go as far as what we was well, my suggestion. Like I want to create some music with the guys where if you're at home with your laptop, you can't create this music. You actually can't. And I want to, it's not even like, oh, we're doing something particularly special or whatever, but whatever, it is whether it's musicality or instrumentation or the fact we've mic'd up the instruments ourselves we want to create music that you ju- you can't just copy like well you could but you'd have to learn how to do some things <laughs> along the way first or hire us so what, when, when
0: if somebody out there is actually a sort of a budding musician and they, they wanted to come in the great thing with something like finesse is that from from coming to finesse forever is they're going to get something unique they're going to get they're going to get something that's going to give and, and it's finding that niche and you get different people individuals in here and you could actually probably if you find that niche for them could probably change them from being an average sort of just about known person to being a big known artist
1: well this is it like i think if the way that again there are some incredible drill rappers there's average draw rappers same with everything right but the way that drill rap is structured it, i think it'd be quite easy to come in and do something fresh and actually quite clever because in my experience and it's just one person's experience if you, are, if you ever wanted a rap, drill is probably the best place to get started because it is actually a lot more simple than other genres. In terms of the rap, that's not me saying the ability, I'm just saying in terms of the technicality of it, it's a lot simpler. So I think it's good in that sense. But then what I also want most of the rappers that come here, what I want, I want them all to start thinking about is, right, cool, I can master a drill flow probably in a week or two if I literally do it every day now what is not being done you know and i want to i want to see more of that i want to see people just turning up and giving me a drill beat and then i hit record and then i'm like whoa what is this i'm hearing you know I want more of those moments um, yeah and a lot of people want to play it safe so it's for yeah, uh, will wait and see what happens
0: so do you think a lot of a lot of it is that some of the people come in don't are not sort of practicing what they're doing and it's not enough repetition because repetition
1: repetition, repetition 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 well, this is, again, yeah. you and I both know this, like to, when you're in a band, if you if you're, it takes about a year of playing with that band before you, like, you know what, when that drum is going to hit that hi hat. Do you know what I mean? All, it takes so much time. And sorry, so you have people that come here who are unrehearsed, right? And you have to kind of let them know you actually, actually have to rehearse. Why? It's like, well, you just do. <laughs> you do, you can't do, you're spending money. You want to turn up, you don't be really practicing while you're here, like, you want to be recording when you're here. But sorry to flip that on his head. I was working with a girl the other day. She's a really, really good rapper. Came in and she was super, like the last time I saw her, I think was like March. Um, And she was great then. She's improved so much since. And she was like, I've been rehearsing all the time. But even her delivery, even though she's been rehearsing, until you've recorded your voice on that microphone, you don't know what it's going to sound like, and so even that to her was like, "I've been rehearsing." It was clear her technical skill is elevated, but how your voice comes through on that microphone on a recording—that's still something you have to practice, you know. And you kind of, can unless you've got the money to buy your own gear, you have to kind of do that in the studio. So, sorry, I say that because that kind of flips my idea on its head. So it's nice to have a counter argument.
0: <laughs> well, it's—I it's, mean, have it, as you said, having good equipment and having—I mean, it'd be interesting to see how my voice sounds back
1: on the. Uh... Well, you heard in the test sounds lovely. You're on the Neumann, I'm on the Neewer. <laughs> new, Neewer, oh, microphone? So
0: it's, so it's only down to the microphone that actually that actually does it. But
1: Oh, I, I will say it's technical thing, like a great mic and a poor preamp is but is is fine. Like I've not being funny, this interface I've got right here is not what I would call remarkable and I've had some amazing cuz that mic is amazing. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter no it's it, a good good i'm i'm one of the biggest people to turn around and say to people
0: you know buy cheap buy twice uh, and when i look back and i if i go and think well okay look at my guitars i've still got a rickenbacker which i bought when i was 16. so i i've, I've got my <laughs> you know so that to me you know was yeah again i've still got it um and it's one of those things that actually a good quality guitar that if it's what you want to do,
1: it, it it lasts
0: a lifetime.
1: I'm still using the same guitar I bought when I was 16. I think I've bought a couple of guitars since then. Both of them much cheaper. Both of them never touched. <laughs> like I'm still using the same guitar.
0: It's interesting that because it, it's amazing. But the thing is, and if you have it set up with a Luther, you know, because you don't re- exactly you don't realize how smooth the action could be, even down to the point of just. Well, actually, I don't want to just use medium set strings. I like my strings to be.
1: You want more well, You've got your own sort of f-
0: feeling. F- the f- gauges gauge, because yeah. one, you know, you might go a, 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 a slightly. You want a, a, a bit more deeper and lower bass by having a, you know, a, a thicker, you know, yeah, a thicker, thicker gauge, gauge to yeah, yeah. To having a thinner gauge to every and it's it's working with those combinations again about how you, you know, getting that right.
1: But again, that's that's a that's a whole other thing like. You know that's yeah. Again, that's something I thought about 15 years ago. Never thought about it since. But it's funny, yeah. You all go through those. are what I was on gauge nines for way too long. Moved <laughs> to gauge like twelves, I think, or something like that.
0: So tell me, with with, um, with finesse forever, and uh, with with how doing? Is how's music being nowadays being distributed, or how's it being? You know what? How things changed. In how they're marketing, uh, um,
1: I think a lot, an awful lot of music is just consumed through YouTube um, in large. Like even when I'm looking for music, I'm um, I, d- I do have Spotify and I love Spotify and I think Spotify is still the main place people will go to just because the interface is great. Um, but uh, it's the thing; it's it's different thing now. <laughs> My friend was saying to me the other day, he's had he's been working with this artist for a while, and in all their plans. There's not one gig in it. It's all about, it's not even about even being able to play it live anymore. It's about being able to make a great record and putting it out there and being consistent with the marketing. Like, and just pushing the Instagram video or pushing the YouTube video. Like, the whole plan for an artist to blow is, is, you don't have to step foot on stage. And I'm sorry, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I think that's such a massive change in terms of marketing and stuff. Like, I think, uh, again... This is my lack of knowledge, I apologise in advance, Skengdo and AM, guys signed to Finesse Forever. Uh, you know, they've done like two, I think two tours or one, But regardless they've done a tour. No no one else really done like tours. <laughs> like it's just, well from again my limited understanding. Um, and that's, that's a really interesting thing, you don't really have to factor that in anymore because you just want to get the streams, you just need the streams. You need a personality you need people to want to just check out your instagram
0: And i suppose in, in some respects in in the way that we've now ended up with uh, where we are with after the coronavirus or not after the coronavirus during this sort of time now this this that's just changing how we do things um i have my own views on that but uh, i um it's a bit of a sad thing really that uh, You know we are able to go and have live concerts and and it's really to see people live and it's it's great to see you know they know that people can work them in a studio they can mime on a youtube video or whatever they're
1: doing even if they're doing it live It's still not the same as being hit by that that presence like in a in a very real way you can listen to one of my records right and listen to a certain part of my brother or i singing but then if i sing the same thing to you you're, you're going to have a completely different reaction to listening to the record <laughs> you just will because i'm right there and i'm blasting it in your face <laughs> and
0: that's the thing about going to you know seeing concerts and how people can interact with an audience how they can really draw people in and, and grab you by the throat and, and actually just make you feel what they're doing i mean obviously it's not just the fact of having just some enormous pa up there um, but it has to be delivered and mixed well enough but you
1: need to get that you need still need to have a great performance or a great thing to be able to mic it up and mix it well it's still you still need that great uh, product crea- creation sorry
0: yeah people want to see a show mm. and you know they 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 may have to be a bit you know smaller but people can there's got to be some maybe some drill shows <laughs> but what's going to happen when we're going to start having live live shows again I, I i don't know it's it's just all
1: very um yeah, I think I have to wait and see how the rest of the year pans out on that one because I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody could have predicted much of this year anyway in terms of just the like us normal people. Um, but uh, yeah, we we'll have to wait and see what happens with live music.
0: Well, I think there's going to be a lot more sort of pay-per-view things that are going to start coming forward. Uh, I, I said at the, the beginning of the year. I just felt that people will, and people who've got decent sound systems at home, like whether they've got their uh, home cinema systems, will actually be listening to. Or watching their films i'll so just download a, a film and and watch the film
1: oh i'm in like 15 20 years that everyone's gonna have to just cinemas in their house like i don't see why they're not going to when you look at what we had say even 15 years ago to what we have now it's uh we're just gonna end up there and you just just you know what's it what did they say they've i can't remember where i read this or heard it but they've uh quick and uh, sorry shorten the amount of time between cinema release and then the dvd or blu-ray whatever they've literally given it like a three week thing now or something just because people want to consume it and as quickly as possible and yeah it's just it's a they need to make more
0: films fast it is different i mean i if i when you just we just mentioned that when i look back uh, guy it's just gonna this is gonna shock me i bought my first plasma screen in 1999 Mm -hmm. plasma Plasma, uh, plasma and uh, I had a, uh, well, a a surround sound system then, mm-hmm. and I, I just remember now. But looking at it now, to what you can go and buy in a in a really good quality soundbar.
1: <laughs> to be honest with you, what makes me laugh? Right, this little, this little interface here, right? It's a studio grade interface. It's like three hundred pounds. You can connect three sets of speakers to it, like. <laughs> You spend all that money on you know like Cambridge, well, I don't know the high end, you know audio file stuff. You've got studio quality interface here. you Plug your speakers and your CD player into that, and you are laughing already. Like it's just uh, kind of funny. Literally, actually, yeah, it's kind of funny.
0: As, in, as you say that, as it, but we get it's what we're all being, you know, getting sold yeah, yeah, as I'm a lot of things. But say, yeah. uh, you know, it, I think that's where, and of course, so many people have. But it, I just, it's all very well having all this stuff on our phones but I still think we need to have interaction and seeing things live. You love that raw, there's there's, there's something about live and it's raw, it's can yeah.
1: Again, let's use MJ as an example. Amazing to hear, every record is incredible. When you watch him live, when you watched him live, it's just like, wow, okay, this is a real human being (laughs) doing this stuff, like, yeah, it's a whole different thing.
0: Then you see another side of their work ethic.
1: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen by accident. They've had to work for that sound. It's not just like, oh, I'm that good. It's like I have made sure I'm that good by putting the hours in.
0: Yeah, and the, and being able to dance and move around yeah. at the same time. I mean, that's not, Practice. it is yeah. not easy. And, and even when I go back and think about, you know, with, with Elton, until I'd actually worked and, you know, we'd supported him for a, for a year or whatever, over a year and a half, mm-hmm. until I did that, I never realised the actual work ethic that he actually worked to the regime that he must work to and the 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 amount of time that they must have rehearsed before going out on tour
1: oh obscene amounts i'm sure because
0: every night went out and it was on the money and i and i can tell you this and to anybody you know i've seen 89 elton shows (laughs) and i never got bored of one of them and and that's when you just you admire people for being just they deliver, um, and they give people what they want. You don't pay to get I mean, that's why amazes, even like people that go out, why are roll? some people would say to me, being younger, why are the Rolling Stones? But you watch a Rolling Stones concert live, and you're thinking, I mean, you look at Ronnie, Ron, Ronnie Wood and Keefridge, you think, well, how the hell are they alive anyway?
1: <laughs> it was The Who I always used to really enjoy watching their live shows and their um, even their music videos, where they just did not care. Like, they knew they were miming. They, on purpose, act like plonkers, and I love that i love that yeah people have to take themselves very seriously now that's another thing i've noticed in the last year like every even the idea again this is me being a bit like grumpy old man here but the concept of the idea of calling yourself an artist right when you are rapping a very very similar rhythm that i've heard a thousand times before over a youtube backing track that hurts me a little bit in the sense that i didn't i wouldn't i wouldn't I wouldn't have called myself an artist till I've been doing it for like a decade and I'd like some work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you've, you've learnt your art and your craft and you've, you know, you, I don't know. I think it's something you should earn. I don't think every, every everyone's an artist, like everyone's a producer. <laughs> it's just a little bit. I just like, oh, come on, guys. Like,
0: come on. We, we have a, there's, there's, we have a little bit of a joke about this. It's this similar, but, but not about being an artist, but, um, I got lots of clients of mine that are in London, but every time you ask them what their girlfriends do whatever, they're, they're all interior designers. I mean, Lon- London is full of women rocking around that are telling everybody that they're an interior designer. The only thing they've interiorly designed is their own wardrobe.
1: Well, this is this is to, to do anything in this day and age, you just got to say you do it and do it. Well, like not even being funny, like we're joking about other people, but then when I set up the studio, my first studio, I'd. Op- I've been working, like, I've been recording and stuff since the age of, like, 13, maybe? But when I was 24 and set up the first studio, I, I remember sitting there with my first client and I had to mix the vocal. I was like, right, now, how do I mix a vocal? <laughs> do you know what I mean? You just had to do it. Like, I was like, I don't know what ratio to use. What's ratio? Ah, ah. So, yeah, like, I might, again, This I like to have both sides of the argument. I might say, oh, blah, blah, don't like this, don't like that, but we all have to just do what we are doing even when i came to finesse forever for the interview and you know, they're saying you know so how much do you know about drill music and i obviously knew a little bit because i did my research but i was like yeah man of course i know drill like, i know i know them all man yeah 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 say what you have to say then learn it as the guys at finesse now know um and yeah and you know no, they like we, we joke about that all the time but like uh yeah you just kind of do what you have to do in the moment
0: but i get that because i remember when i started when i, I was doing uh, video and sort of getting into a bit of video editing, very very early, you know, very very earlier when it was, on, when when it was, really it was yeah when, when it mean. was really difficult and I was, you're working with Avid. Um, oh, okay. I've okay. actually still got, I've still actually got the my whole Avid. Uh, even with an, an SV, you know, VHS monitor, I've actually got a DHR two thousand. So you know, full. So bro. and I only, oh, pro- and I probably only, amazing. and I've got a D. DH, this DHR Sony two thousand, I should think, has barely had an hour's use. Um, I really had a proper top-notch setup, I mean, it really was because it was so time-consuming because you had to then play the tape to record the Obviously, tapes in.
1: I, I, <laughs> me and my brother when we were 15, because my dad worked in broadcast, we filmed some stuff on one evening, whatever, and then the next day we went in to do the edit and you had, you had two, the two, I think we had DVWA 500s, I want to say them. We had the two big VTRs and you were literally, yeah, cutting between the tapes. And this is even like, this was maybe, this must have been 15, 16 years ago. And you look at where we are now you can this drag and drop transition effects man you don't even have to worry about it anymore like it's, no, it's I mean, I, I, crazy it, it it is unbelievable i i
0: find that on my own, even even what i'm learning on using green screens at the moment Yay. and now i'm putting dropping video in the back of my on my green
1: screen there's an app on your phone that'll do it for you like it's crazy
0: it's just in it's just incredible about what what we can do but working then with an avid system i mean crikey i've got a monitor that that my actual monitor i was because obviously it wasn't flat screen but CIT, there, yeah. it was it's just a huge giant thing I've actually still got it all in the loft. I mean, I don't know what I mean. And I've got and in connecting to that, I've actually got the SVHS well a VHS monitor. Well, if you want to call it an SVHS monitor, but I've actually got a, a, a super. Yeah, I even threw threw out the super VHS recorder I had. I mean, they were as rare as because you had to use a different. Because then we were going from two hundred and fifty lines to like four hundred lines. I mean, wow. I mean, you know, we weren't even filming in widescreen back then. So it's uh, things again things evolve
1: oh yeah do you know what? especially with the last say decade or so things have moved really quickly like for video and audio and music and everything everything has changed so quickly you're saying earlier on the mp3 all this kind of stuff like has um just changed everything changed everything how it's created how it's consumed like made stuff more accessible which is good in a lot of ways not so great in others i think um but i do think now's the time for experimentation and you know having a go and seeing what happens.
0: it's also easy to maneuver things around um you know when i remember back in there we'd work in the studios and you'd, you'd end up finishing in the studios and once it had been finished in the studios there was a you know there was a bike comes to the door to come and collect up the master and the master tape went off to somewhere else to go and be put into to make a vinyl yeah. and um, that was whisked off somewhere else but um you know very very interesting but the what we're doing here um and how the, the the again, drill is another evolving
1: um It's still evolving. Absolutely still evolving. Well when we were talking about its origins with the you know, the gangs and stuff, but yeah, it's a, there's R and B drill, there's there's some rock drill that's coming up pretty soon. Um I think because it was underground for so long, even though it's now it's much more commercial than it ever has been, there's still loads of room to grow. Um and uh But
0: wasn't that the same with even if you go back like you know even when the rap scene started you know that was underground and people were thinking oh hip-hop oh, it's not gonna get you know it wasn't gonna sort of
1: but it was about a message though wasn't it you know that was like a whole that was a whole sign of the times which again you could even say the same about drill to be honest with you like I've actually I don't know if you've seen the drill documentary that's on YouTube no I've not seen it I'll have to uh, give you a link it's re- just really insightful when you just see again I've been really fortunate in the last year yes working with the rappers is great Working with different artists is great. Working with the producers, man, and just seeing the there's, there's a whole network of... There's, the draw producer network is quite extensive, like, it's, it's quite crazy, like, and it's uh, it's very empowering to see something where... Like, let's forget about where it came from. When I'm looking at it, what's happening in front of me, a lot of very, very young people own this area of the market. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's awesome, like... Yes, it means, yeah, right, don't get, don't get, uh, not cocky, don't get complacent, don't just keep doing it, right, now, you, but now you're owning it, now you can do what you want, you can almost choose what people get to listen to next, which is awesome, like, you know, that, when I was in the band, that's that was my dream, <laughs> to be able to, you know, create the music that then is gonna make, people, oh, I've never heard this before, well, these producers, these, these guys are young, like, you're in a, you know, I, I'm very lucky to be part of their team, but like, yeah, like, uh, they've got so much, they're already so great they've got so much more room to grow and like say the genre I think it's been around it's been around since 2013 I think again correct me if I'm wrong Um, but yeah there's still loads more room to grow and just to see what it can do but interesting you said that because we were talking about
0: how music evolves and how music evolves from from various different things one of the things that you just also said to me was that it's using drill has come out now we've got drill moving along once it sort of found its feet it's 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 hardcore part of it now it's becoming to um, trying to find its mainstream fit core to it you just said to me there's rock drill there's that there's this so it just goes to show that things can interact both
1: ways absolutely but then you know from when you were playing music in bands whatever you you didn't even think like that it was like if you had a again a soulful melody over a big fat rock riff you just do it because it sounds cool you're not worried about fitting a genre or you know like experimentation was much more rife back then in terms of genre you know crossing genres and stuff like it wasn't a thing you just did it whereas now if you're like i said i'm I'm, there were a couple of tunes i did right when I was trying to just doing the whole click, the click method, you know, making whole beats, just not touching the instrument. And there are a couple where like, yeah, it's cringy as hell. <laughs> so I've lost my train of thought now, but uh, I've lost my train of thought. So. No,
0: we were just talking about how we, we, we grow, we, we were talking about how things have evolved, but, you know, even taking stuff now from a newer thing and actually impl- implanting it onto something that's a bit older, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it works both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's click, but you need someone like yourself to be able to go, actually, do you know what, if I took that onto this and put it onto that and use that as a sample.
1: Right, like, I'm not being funny, when I'm making these beats for people, because I've been a songwriter, I'm still writing vocal melodies over them and you've never heard, again, I'm not saying they're great, but the melodies i'm writing over these drill beats you've never heard them before because no one has no one has done that yet so it's like and that's even just stuff you know i'm just doing for fun so like if i'm thinking that and there are actual there are actual artists out there who want to put you know melodies on these things you, you can only imagine the kinds of craziness that is it's there it's just people aren't doing it yet you know like i say especially if i again from your background if I played you a drill song and said play a bass line over this you're gonna you're, you're gonna play something quite different do you know what I mean you're gonna yeah it'd come with a bit a completely different a comp- Different. I mean don't get me wrong you'll listen to the scale or the you know what they're using and you'll sit in that but you, how, you, how you play and how you formulate your, your ideas will still come from your own personal place which you've developed through your experiences you know
0: yeah, and and that that would probably need evolving a lot more now because I'm, I've been out of the, uh, I've been out of, I've not, I, I really miss not having the having my basses out. I miss playing them, even you know just because of what it does to me mentally to be able. to You don't even
1: realise how much you miss it. I remember there was a period, man, like where I didn't pick up my guitar. For, it must have been about a year. This was like in my 20s. There was some period where I just didn't do it and. Uh, you yeah, you need you need to make a conscious effort to stay on top of your instruments and your every area of your musicality. Because in this in this game in this music game, you end up just doing what's in front of you. Because there's always something that needs to be done. But you that whole like going home and picking up your bass, picking up your guitar, and almost practicing is trying to get out of that mindset of this is work and this is actually the fun part of the day. Now I've done all my like worky work, you know, my mixing all this technical stuff. When you can go home and pick up your instrument, you got to kind of remember oh this is why I did it (laughs) this is it's getting back to you not don't forget
0: your roots and where you went back and it's like I I sort of essentially was self-taught with me through through learning to play the bass and and playing what we did in the band and 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 everything but back in the sort of around about the late 90s I actually sent myself to bass school did you
1: really
0: yeah it's it's probably a
1: smart smart man I don't see why you shouldn't have done you and
0: Do you know, it was an actual eye opener, and it actually made me enjoy and love it because I then thought, "Oh, I didn't know that." Yeah, and I, and I really felt to sort of go, "Actually, well, that's why that didn't work because an X-wise, and you just suddenly pick things up." Um, and it was a really, it was a really powerful sort of eye opener to do this sort of what's was about a sort of 10 week, 10, 20, 15 week course that we did every Saturday.
1: I, I think it's I think it's good to learn the way things should be, should be done and how they have been done because then you know how to break the rules. As well, I had a friend uh, back at music college who, he, after one year at, at music college, he was like, oh, I can't stand my songwriting now. And I'm like, why, what's wrong? He's like, well, now I know the rules. I know I can't do this anymore. Like I, he used to love making jarring sounding music, like really angsty music and once he learned that you know you can't go from this chord to this or this note to this note in this scale, it kind of made him fight against himself when he was composing. Uh, So I think there's something to not knowing actually as well. What You know that you are better on your instrumentals at your school if you learn the proper methods, but I do think having that naivety is a good thing as well. I think that's
0: an age thing as well, it's a bit like learning languages. The younger that you learn to speak a second language, the more natural it becomes. And learning to me, me learning to read music at a later stage was actually well you, you actually complicate things when it, when it shouldn't be complicated. I, I
1: think I think it's a really good thing you did because I think it's harder to do that later on. Like I'm oh man whenever I've been in a situation where I have to do I need some sort of theory based knowledge, I've learned what I've had to learn for that moment. Pulled it off in the moment, and then it's gone. Like it's it's gone. Do you know what I mean? So I think, like, that's something I should probably do. I in in the next 12 months, I need to learn how to play the piano properly, and I need to learn, get my grade five theory again, <laughs> which I again learnt for one exam to get into music college, and then forgot about very quickly. <laughs> so, you know,
0: the great thing is that you you the great thing is about, you know, having you here at finesse forever and being able to give this knowledge that you can that you can actually make somebody's you know dream come true or start their journey off
1: i i I go in with a very 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 realistic sort of thing so i I am i I try and instill like some inspiration in them and i want to make them feel good you know i want them to feel inspired but i also i had one this is years ago i had one client who was she was only i think she was 12 years old and one day she turned around to me she was like chris you know i like working with you i'm like why she's like because you can tell me i'm bad and i know it comes from a good place and it makes me better i'm like well good because that is at the end of the day me sucking up to you all day i'm gonna make you good like i i used to say this i used to watch back old gig videos right i'm like 14 15 and i go oh my days like we had ronan keating and green day in the same set right it was awful anyway i turned around to my mom I was like why why did you let us do that and she was like well if i hadn't let you do that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now so there is that fine line between you know encouraging and being realistic and i think the age comes into that as well like you can take certain criticism at diff- uh, different points but uh i always try and just get whoever i'm working with to do something they've never done before like i i want them to oh, I didn't know I could do that. It's like, well, there you go, you can. And if you can do that, I bet you can do this as well, you know? And
0: I think one of the one of those the, the interesting about that is, it's about, I think lots of people have forgotten about, be comfortable about making mistakes.
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, yeah. And,
0: and if you're comfortable about making, let me tell you this, people who make mistakes will always make something. If you don't make a mistake, you're not doing anything. You're not trying, you're not pushing yourself.
1: I've made a lot of mistakes
0: <laughs> but mistakes are what make things you if you have ten people in a room to all putting their ideas on the table you could have seven or eight shit ideas but mixing them together suddenly hang on if we put that and that and we did a little bit of this and a little bit of that suddenly out of that you've got out of ten really crap ideas you've got you've suddenly got one genius thing but a lot of people need it's just belief and and to have that belief and faith in themselves but there's no such thing as failure until until you give up yeah. and that's where but it's about the encouragement don't get people disheartened because they're coming to here because they have a passion and a desire but you've got to exp- you've got to be able to draw that out of them because people could still be a little bit shy a little bit introvert they've got this that, idea that's,
1: that's the main thing again because I wasn't I when i started doing all the engineering or mixing no one no one taught me as in like you know when you have your first customer and you're like for the first time you're like oh i have to make like i have to actually look after you like i have to you know you're in charge of this whole thing and spending money like that's something no one can teach you you and like i say i still get it wrong like, like i had a client uh, last week in central london like i said and uh i tried to go in it go into it with my normal hey, how you doing sort of thing? And nope, that was not going to fly for this session. Like, So you just have to gauge each scenario as, as they come. But that's why also I also like, I like producing with the artists I work with and stuff, because then you've got a long-standing relationship and you can, you know, it's fun then. It's like you're hanging out with mates and making music. It's great.
0: <laughs> it's great. And I think sometimes if you, you know, sometimes it's just taking a step back, but the next time round when they call you up, actually you can just say, look, can I have a fiddle with this? You know, you might be able to just let them allow you to, Explore, but as you say, time's money, and people are using their studio time that they've got their idea. They've got to come in,
1: yeah, and they
0: don't—they don't want necessarily. They—they've really got a really totally fixed idea in their mind.
1: well they need to realise that they might say, and this is—I've—I've actually literally turned a corner now, and I—I, how I deal, how I do my business is very different now to how I was doing it last year. But say, if you're gonna come in here and you're gonna work with me. Like the first session, you're going to leave with something. Like, because I make sure you're left with a track, right? Even if it's a little bit tuned, whatever, you're going to be happy. But you need to understand, if you're going to come back and you're going to work on a project, you might spend £350 on one day in the studio and you might not actually leave with anything. But that's okay because you're working on it. It's not finished. And it might take another 12 hours to get it finished. And that's the first thing these like, people, customers clients need to get need to get used to because it's like well it's a work in progress like i have customer coming for two hour sessions they'll turn up an hour late and they'll go oh yeah so mix and master this, this is good enough to release right i'm like well no it's not i mean you can release it go nuts it's not my song but no <laughs> if i were you'd get the stems first of all like the very base get me the kick the snare but get me everything separately then we can maybe fix your vocal and stuff but no it takes time who's how many hits have been made for a 2 hour session in the studio like it just doesn't happen they do, sorry yeah the, the, a large portion of artists artists don't get it they don't they really do not understand and which is why like now it's not a, it's not like a very strict approach now but i work with people who want to book me for the day or, like, book me for the week, and you, I'm not dumbing down anything what I'm doing. If you want me to write a song, we're gonna write a song. If you want me to play guitar, I'm gonna play guitar. Like, we're just gonna get the most out of this session and treat it like a studio space. I, I don't want, I, I don't mind recording people to YouTube tracks and backing tracks, I really don't, but that ain't gonna make you better. That's not going to help you. <laughs> if you spend 300 pounds according to youtube backing tracks and then like you go i want to make an album it's like well that 300 pounds would have helped you make that album what is the making some tracks for youtube done for you like that's not good that's not money well spent spend it on creating even again if you leave without the track you've still spent 300 pounds on like a whole day of creating a song that's just yours no one no one can copy that do you know what i mean and yeah people need to find realize the value in that i think
0: yeah, that's, um, I think that the, the, Look, you only get what you pay for, but equally you've got to come in and put it put it in there. And there's people yeah. that are probably coming to you and say, right, I've done this, whatever. You put it into your system, you plug it up in and, and you go, and then suddenly they're going, well, actually, why doesn't it sound right?
1: It, exactly, and sometimes, like I say, don't get me wrong, like I would never ever say I'm the best at anything that I do, but I've got a good enough ear to know like the guy you don't like, it's like I can hear it too. And it's, if it's a performance thing, we'll get you to do it again. If it's a mixed thing, yeah, it's not finished. It's okay. Like, it's... If if I say we're done, and you go, I don't like that, then I've done a bad job. Do you know what I mean? If during the whole process, you're like, I don't like that, it's like, cool, yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Let's let's work on it, fix it. Ah, good, Now we're happy. Anything else that's annoying us, you know? But um, people have to realise a it's a work in progress. I've The only reason I feel quietly confident in any of the things I do is I've worked with people who know a lot more than me who've done it a lot longer than me and when i see how they're doing it and i'm like well they can't be wrong <laughs> they can't be wrong and you kind of combine that knowledge with the new stuff i'm learning from the guys here and it's like there's there's definitely a there's definitely a the, there is a best way to do things but then it was all customer dependent as well again going off on random tangents but yeah it's a very interesting uh,
0: it's amazing what what It'd be nice to be able to do, have a chat with SK and TK, okay? Because it'd be understanding what what you know. It just goes to show that there are always opportunities out here, but you just need three, you know, two, one, two, three, or like-minded guys that have got the right mental input to you it know to what? actually
1: like, finesse forever. Could not be what it is without those three. I have to say though, like there's a much larger team, uh, and they'd, they'd probably say, "Yeah, Chris, tell them now." Like the it's about I think it's about 40 or 50 of us, like, and it's bigger. Collective, we're not even—you're like, not employed. Just to, to make everything work, like to have a team of engineers, for example, you get a last-minute thing. Oh, who can work at two p.m.? Then, like you—you know—I'm not getting paid for that. You just got to want to do it because you're doing it for the fam. Do you know what I mean? And there's a much, you know, the graphic designers, the video creators, the the blog writers. Like, there's so much stuff that goes on to make this work. And oh, and so that's another thing. I will just say this, like. I've worked, I worked for my dad for years. I've worked for, I've, I've seen how companies run, how successful companies run. And I've seen some like the infighting with like some of the colleagues and all this stuff. And I think, again, I don't think anyone's perfect because no one can be perfect, but there's a lot of business, There's a lot of people that could learn a lot from the guys at Finesse Forever. Like for real, I'm constantly, again, I'm sure they're not perfect. No one's perfect, love you guys. Um, but yeah, like there's just a different, it almost feels like a very different way of doing business. Like I can say what I want, to, to a certain degree obviously within respectful limits and it will get heard and if, if action needs to be taken on it and a positive work, it's going to be done like it's a very well that sounds to me like the, the,
0: the guys have a very open door because oh, absolutely. because absolutely. if you shut because otherwise I mean that is a you know because if you shut yourself off and you really don't want to you know no no this is how we're doing something you could really miss a trick and it's having that open door say look you know and as I say, throw the idea. The problem is if people and companies don't allow people to actually throw ideas onto the table, you know, and actually give something a try, how will you ever know?
1: Exactly. And I think, what's it? I think Apple, the company Apple does that in a large. It's like, well, if they, they employ you for a job and they're going to let you do it the best way. If, if obviously you start doing your job, you're like, God, what are you doing? That's so bad. And then obviously they'll pull you up on it. But at the end of the day, it's like, we hired you because you're great at your job show us show us the best way to do it do you know what i mean or educate educate us as a larger whole you know
0: you said something earlier on just just to be that you you sort of came in do you know about drill music and you sort of really you 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 winged it um but you know what there's there's very few people the great it's when people employ you or take you on for you and that has lost itself in life because you've got so many companies now that revolve on what people's CV says and how the AI reads their CV. You could be absolutely fantastic for a position, but these AI, so nobody, you get people running companies that actually have no actual personality skills and they just want you to do a job to do this to do that but actually are you any good at it do you have a person do you have any customer uh, relations ability you know even
1: the customer relations. sometimes that's not even important now like in a lot of jobs and a lot of jobs i think you either have to have that kind of personality where you will just be very sociable and whatever and then the rest of it you really don't like it's it's about getting the job done and being efficient and uh being polite while you're doing but then, it but then then that, depends,
0: that also depends on which sort of job that you're actually entitled and doing but if you need to be face to face with people and you need to meet people and communicate with people that's something that can't be said on a piece of paper of course yeah i totally agree so anyway chris it's been great for us to catch up and brilliant being down here at finesse forever
1: no thanks for coming down man it was really great
0: I mean, it's really nice where it'd be interested. you know, great to be able to do, actually to do a podcast in a in a studio.
1: Well, we're getting two new studios built literally next door. So when they're finished, you should probably come down and have a little chat with, Or maybe we uh, next time we come
0: down, it'd be good to maybe, if we do it with the guys, that we can actually, we can record it as well. And uh, because I think podcasts are becoming very more, uh, more popular. So anybody out there who's interested in getting their music, um, Get in touch with Finesse Forever. Chris Ransom is a producer. He'll help you make your music come alive. And thank you for uh, listening to myself talking with Chris Ransom tonight.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And
0: you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Warren Beckwith, or even at YouTube at Warren Beckwith. So thanks to the guys. Thanks to Chris again, and the guys at Finesse Forever. Brilliant and it's been great sort of just having a bit of time in here in the studio talking with you and letting the listeners know what what's doing but i'm i'm really i've got to learn and educate myself about some and listen to some drill i'll yourself. send you
1: some links mate i've got a playlist as well i asked them to build me a playlist on spotify like five weeks in i was like guys i need a crash course to help me out here so, uh... <laughs> well i'm
0: looking forward to you sending me the links through chris thank you and uh, have a good evening and listeners again finesse forever I'm Warren Beckwith on All Talk Global. Thank you for listening.